I know for a fact that I'm only going to recommend the products that we use as the A Better Way to Farm team. I'm not going to recommend something else. That's 100% why I'm here. Global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A Better Way to Farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Hey, just Tyler here, field agronomist with The Better Way to Farm. Were you aware that our team spends each and every day providing solutions to farmers so that they can grow better crops and make more money? I truly do hope that you have a great day, and I thank you for tuning in to this podcast. We wanted to bring kind of some light on some topics that have been brought up a little bit in the past, but as we get rolling this year in planting and we look at kind of the mixes of fertilizer that we're using, some of the foliar feeding that we might do or anything that we can do to kind of address our limiting factors, micronutrients specifically get brought up. Now, in our two-day fundamentals of agronomy class that we talk about all the time, we bring up the fact that there are plant-available forms of nutrients. So I wanted to invite my buddy Preston back and talk a little bit about the forms of nutrients, kind of as it relates to micronutrients in in this episode, and what forms are better than others, and, and just a little bit of detail to get you guys thinking while you're out there planting that seed Think about those foliar applications and how to address those limiting factors. So Preston, welcome back to the show, man. I'm glad you're on. I'm glad to be here, man. How's everything going in your world? Busy as always. Yeah, it's go time in the industry, you know, in the southern part of Iowa that we both hail from. I don't think they're running yet in like North Dakota, but most of the growers that we work with have got some seed in the ground, if not are mostly done. So we wanted to kind of talk about nutrients but micronutrients as well. You know, one of the reasons I've said this many times that that I'm on the team is that we talk about addressing limiting nutrients and really the limiting factor. And so that we're never over applying or under applying anything. Now we, we hit on, you know, why we need to use an EDT chelated micronutrient or an HEDTA chelated micronutrient and make sure that it is the highest form. So we talk about like zinc specifically, our zinc weighs more than all of the other zinc in the industry when you look at liquid zinc out there because we have more chelating agent in there and chelating agents cost more money. But when we talk about that, can you kind of dive into kind of the background? Why do we need to, first off, understand what elements we actually need and not just NPK and, and just go find whatever's out there? So that goes back to Liebig's Law of Limiting Factor. Ideally, you know, what is the limiting factor? And the only way to truly know that, I mean, nobody can go out there and and look at your soil and just do the laying of the hands and say, oh, I think that you need zinc. You know, it doesn't work that way. You just can't look at something and think that. So you got to do the soil test and you got to do the complete soil test. We like that SC3 one from Midwest Labs because it it lays out base saturations and all of the macro and micronutrients. It's not just about N, P, and K, because yeah. if it was, then we'd all be raising 400 bushel corn. All right. So when, when you get those results back and you're trying to pick your fertilizer plan for the year or, or kind of fast forward to right now. So most everybody right now has their fertility either on or they're putting it on, say, in, in furrow or two by two, something like that. We're all picking you know, maybe a nitrogen source or, or let's pick on sulfur because to me, I used to do sulfur way wrong in the past. 
And now, because I understand the right way, the better way, why don't you kind of hit on that a little bit as to why we need to be cautious of the forms of nutrients that we apply and how it gets taken up into the plant? Yeah. So there was a story once about a customer in New York that got a load of 28%. And it wasn't, in fact, was not, in fact, 28%. Um, They sent it to the lab because they mixed it with one of our products and it just became a mess. And so they called screaming mad. And so then we, we were like, okay, well, you know, let's ask some questions. As always, whenever you get a disgruntled call, ask questions. Had that 28% tested, I come to find out it was not 28%. It was not even 26%. It was like, what, 21, I believe? It it, Um, might have been less than that. (laughs) It was not. It might have been less than that. Yes. Yep. But come to find out they had been putting battery acid in there. So yeah, there's your sulfur (laughs) source. So not an ideal source to be um, putting on with your crops, but it, it is sulfur. And so there you go. And they say, oh, well, it's got those micro and macro nutrients in that 28%. So he was getting a bonus. Um, and no, <laughs> well, the customer and, was not happy. Yeah. And that, we're getting kind of sidetracked a little bit, but that's another thing that we have to yep. deal with constantly is growers will come to us and say, well, you know, we can get a, a cheaper inferro starter solution. We can get a cheaper liquid fertilizer and it has micronutrients in it. And it's almost yep. laughable because now again, going back to zinc, if you get anything with phosphorus in it and it has zinc attached to it, if you don't have enough chelating agent, and even over time, if you have that zinc and that phosphorus sit over time for an extended period of time, even if you have a high amount of chelation, yeah, exactly. It's just going to, they're going to stick together. I mean, you talk about magnets, those two are attracted probably more than, than most, right? But getting back to that, that, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. So we do know that there are organic forms and inorganic forms of elements. We know that they're depending on what university you subscribe to, there are 17 or 18 essential elements to raise a crop. So when you look at those, you have to know that there is processes in the soil. You know, we talk about nitrogen conversion and, you know, how there's immobilization and mineralization and decomposition and all these things that happen in the soil. And so you take these inorganic forms or organic forms And the plant has to figure out what's what and how to take it up. Well, we know that plants only take up the inorganic forms of these nutrients, but there are also things, you know, going back to to picking on sulfur, when I first started in this industry in 2007, the co-op that I was working at had a, one of those fancy new spinners that had a four bin compartment and we could run, not only could we run our map, We could also run potash and variable rate them both, but then we could run things like elemental sulfur and throw that out there. And the nice thing is elemental sulfur is like 90% sulfur, right? Because it's literally elemental. Most all of it is sulfur. There's no other junk or no other garbage. So it's a fantastic source, just like anhydrous ammonia has, you know, it's 82% nitrogen, right? I mean, there's basically all nitrogen. Yeah. doesn't get any better than that, does it? Exactly. But we know just like anhydrous ammonia has intangible consequences, elemental sulfur is not plant available. It's one that when you spin it out there and throw it on, it takes years for the soil to mineralize it and turn it into an inorganic source that can be taken up. So I guess without stealing too much of your thunder, what's that sulfur source that we need to be looking for when we're out there 
putting sulfur down on our fields? Well, my favorite sulfur source is potassium sulfate. Depending on where you're at in your operation, as far as what time of year and what season and what application you're making, you know, potassium thiosulfate is very concentrated. It's a very good product. It's the only one I know of in the industry that you can do a gallon in furrow. You can also use ATS, ammonium thiosulfate, if you're going in with your UAN. Do not put that in furrow. Um, <laughs> right. That's too hot. But you can absolutely put that ATS in with your UAN, whether you're doing wide drop or whether you're doing a weed and feed or you're going two by two, you can do those kind of things. But the potassium thiosulfate, the 002517, up to a gallon in furrow, depending on your CEC and organic matter, because those things come into play to tell us how close we can get to the seed. Like in my neck of the or in our neck of the woods, a lot of the CECs are around 20, 25. Organic matter, you know, three, four, five percent. It's not a problem to go in furrow at a gallon to the acre. You get down on that low side, like 2% or under and and a CEC of 10 or less. Then we start talking about using a splitter or maybe even going two by two with fertilizer, not going directly on the seed. But yeah, that potassium thiosulfate is a phenomenal product. A gallon in furrow, right with your 318.18 to your 918.9 and make some awesome, awesome kickstart to get going there. And one of the things that I want to add to that is there are things like alfalfa or even soybeans, legume crops require a large, large amount of potassium. And we know because of government regulations, we really don't have the sulfur in the soils that we used to. You know, all the scrubbers in the industrial industry that scrub the sulfur out. Now we have low sulfur diesel fuel, all of that stuff. We no longer get the acid or the sulfur in the rains um, and the all of that stuff. So we're kind of depleted. So it's nice to have, I like that KTS option as well because of that form that it comes in. You get your potassium and you get your sulfate. But that part of it, the, the sulfur, the sulfate sulfur is the one that I really want to hit on. You know, you mentioned that ammonium thiosulfate or potassium thiosulfate. We also know that AMS or just ammonium sulfate would be a good source as well, but that's because the plant takes up sulfur in the sulfate form. Just like we talk about why our liquid fertilizer products are superior. Not only are they food grade, but they have the orthophosphate form of phosphorus in there. And that's what's going to be taken up into the plant. So you can't run out there with monoammonium phosphate and throw it out there and and assume that it's going to be 100% plant available it's not going to happen. You need, you know, that orthophosphate form to be out there so that the the soil solution, that it's in the soil solution so that the plants can take it up. So what are your thoughts as growers are going out there making any last minute adjustments to fertility programs or even thinking about foliar feeding some of this stuff? What are your kind of key takeaways or, or, or some of the key things that you're talking to some of your clients about when it comes to looking at and addressing some of these limiting factors. So it absolutely boils down to a soil test and a tissue test. Kind of a little late in the game to be talking about soil testing too much, but you can still soil test even after you planted. You obviously just can't go in furrow, but then we can kind of game plan and see what all you have in your soil and put in that yield goal. And then we can talk about all those building blocks that it takes to get there. And then we switch into going to the tissue sampling. You know, once that crop is up, get Midwest Labs tissue sampling guide that tells you exactly how many plants to pull or leaves. You know, when a corn plant's small, you take the whole corn plant, 
Yep. And you can get to send in a bunch. And when a corn plant is tall, you send in the ear leaf, which is blown opposite the ear. And how many of those you send in? So consult that tissue sampling guide, whether it be corn or soybeans or wheat or alfalfa. Um, that guide is fantastic for those. But yeah, tissue sampling is huge going forward. So with that being said, knowing what specific nutrient and, and the form that it has to be in to be taken up into the plant, when you do something like a tissue test, can you go just anywhere and, and get that jug of stuff off the shelf or what would you recommend? So I read a post yesterday on social media about a guy that was talking about how he was an independent agronomist and I'm not knocking that. Um, there's a lot of good independent agronomists out there. I'm we are also, we are both independent agronomists. <laughs> yes. CCAs at that. Yes. Absolutely. My concern is, is that as an independent agronomist, we give our customers recommendations and if we just give them recommendations, say, hey, you know, you need sulfur. And we tell them, okay, you need 20 pounds of it. And so then they're going to go out there and they're going to shop and they're going to find the cheapest form of 20 pounds of sulfur that's out there. And that is not necessarily the best case scenario. So when you work with us, we're going to hook you up with the best value product out there for that sulfur for your need. Yeah. And I hope this makes a little bit of sense. I'd like to relate it to like a fitness coach, but I think it better be related to a doctor. So when we aren't feeling right, or we think, you know what, maybe there's something I could do to be a little bit healthier. And you go to a doctor and they say, this is exactly what it takes. We've ran all the tests. We know what the issue is. And so now we're going to send that prescription over to that pharmacy. You don't go to the pharmacy and say, hey, I just pick up anybody's prescription. It really doesn't matter. The, actually, the cheapest one would be the best. You have to pick up your specific prescription and that's what you get. And I know it's a, a little bit different. There's probably going to be people questioning, well, you can still get generics and you can still do this. And I understand that. But my point is, is that you can't go out there. And that's what drives me nuts about independent agronomists because I 100% will tell everybody to their face that I'm an independent agronomist. But I know for a fact that I'm only going to recommend the products that we use as the A Better Way to Farm team. I'm not going to recommend something else. That's 100% why I'm here. I'm not going to say, oh, I believe in this, but you know what? Go find the cheapest stuff on the market, you know, and, and best of luck to you. So again, yeah. as we wrap this up, I've got to stress when you are looking at the nutrients that you are purchasing, especially as it now a time as it relates to the micronutrient world or, or even the, the secondary nutrients like, like sulfur, don't go out there and just get the cheapest stuff on the block. Do your research, figure out what that plant needs, what, what is taken up into the plant in that soil solution. And you know what? Maybe give us a call as well. But if there's anybody listening, Preston, I know that it's a few months out, but if anybody out there, if the listener that's listening to this right now says, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. I wish I could get more education. I wish there was a program, some event that I could go to. What would you suggest to them? Absolutely suggest meeting us in Ankeny in July um, at our two-day fundamentals of agronomy training. It is just amazing. You know, I, you and I have both put, you know, a couple hundred people through that program. Mm -hmm. And several of those people have been students at four-year universities, whether that mean K-State or Iowa State or whatever. And people always come out of that program very impressed with the knowledge and the depth of, of understanding that they have afterwards. So yeah, I just highly encourage you to come to that and uh, reach out to our team. We'll get you registered. 
Preston, thank you very much, my man. I know you've got to get back after it. I've got to get back after it. So we're going to shut this baby down. But thank you again for chatting with us today. And friend, as we wrap up today's episode, we want to thank you again for all of the love and support on all of the A Better Way to Farm brand platforms. And remember, and we hope that you have a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.